Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are shiftkey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. Shiftkey.com. Start today. This podcast is brought to you by DrunkMummySoberMummy.com and made in association with HelloSundayMorning.org, changing the world's relationship with alcohol one Sunday at a time. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages... You'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety. The good, the bad, the ugly and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together, we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. So it was 20 chicken nuggets, a quarter pounder with cheese, Fanta, Coke, large chips, Big Mac. I mean, no wonder he's feeling ill. Was there anything else, Alan? Uh, Apple pie. Oh. Oh. oh, those are disgusting as well. God, no wonder. How can anyone eat that much? Oh, I don't know. No wonder he's got a dodgy stomach. Do anyway. You, do you think he had it in that order? Because like, <laughs> it's like the fan to the Coke and then he thought, I can fit a bit more in and he had some large chips and then he thought, I've got a little bit of space left. Yeah. I'm going to have a Big Mac. Oh, he just doesn't ever get full, does he? No. <laughs> anyway. Poor Alice. <laughs> an interesting bit of information to start our podcast about <laughs> yeah. sobriety on what Alan had for lunch. Yeah, and his pie. <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't put pie on the list. Yeah, no, he, he said pie, didn't he? Yeah, he came he did, in and yeah. said his apple pie. Yeah, so oh. we're here. We're in the studio again. We've got new mics. We're all very excited. We're in the booth troll and the troll is sneaking around outside, isn't he? Pacing. Yeah, I don't know about this uh, 
booth because you can never really tell what he's up to. No, you can't see him. We're in here. When we used to record it in the other room, all three of us were all crouched in around the pissy mattress. (laughs) (laughs) But in in the new setup, Vic and I are in the booth and um, Alan is sneaking around outside. Which yeah. makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Yeah, I don't trust him. And, and we're so sober and prim and proper. Yeah. We wouldn't touch a McDonald's ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did have a McMuffin for breakfast the other day. Yeah. yeah. Total lies. <laughs> we're terrible as well. And I'm meant to be a vegetarian. Yeah. Oh well. So I'm not doing very well. Can't really, can't really uh, dis dis Alan on this because uh, no, we're just, just as bad. bad yeah. 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 So today we're here to celebrate Lucy's one year anniversary of being sober aren't we Lucy yes I am now what one year and two days and so I've had my one year soberversary which is a word yeah oh, you... it is a word yeah yeah people have said happy soberversary and That's I thought so what exciting. a cool word has it been a long year for you Lucy what do you think no not really it was a long first three months. Yes, that's the that's yes. the real hurdle. That which ended months. on Boxing Day, the three months. So that's probably why that was hard. Um, but after that, it was getting it just got better and better, really. Yeah. And I certainly didn't feel as if I was sort of crawling into the and you know desperate for the year mark to come. It just sort of came around. Yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned on a podcast before the the best thing about it is that I'm so glad I haven't made the decision to drink again. Yeah, because the stress of having to drink again and deciding how much I can drink and when I can drink and what might happen when I drink, all that's gone. And why would I want to bring that back into my life? Exactly. There are. You you begin to realise, especially after a year, there are no positive side effects. I mean, that that short lived high that we talk about is is not worth it, is it? No, not at all. I will. What I will say, though, Vic, is that um, it's been interesting because it's that time in your life when you can look back and you can remember exactly what you were doing yep. um, the previous year. So I was thinking things like the, when I got to the day before my year anniversary, I was thinking, oh, this time last year I woke up face down on the living room floor because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd gone on a massive trek um, to a bottle straight oh, yes. off licence. I remember this story. <laughs> to go and get your wine to go and get some wine and by the time I got back it was an hour and a half walk I was so tired that I just fell asleep I had a winter coat on a long winter coat two carrier bags with wine in and I just fell asleep face down on the living room floor and woke up like that the following morning and started looking like a dead polar bear I did look very strange (laughs) I just you know I opened my eyes and kind of looked around thought oh god where am I oh dear but luckily I was at home and this year you didn't wake up on the floor no, I did not. I was snugged up in my bed. But yep. it was very interesting to think this is where I was this time last year and I'm in such a different place. Having said that, the week itself leading up to the to the sober anniversary uh, was just the most chaotic, crazy week for me. I had um, quite a few bits and pieces that I had to sort out with my teenage daughters. Uh, one of them broke their finger. I had mm. no work at the beginning of the week, so I was stressing about not out about not having money. At the end of the week, a whole load of work all hit at the same time. Uh, not complaining, love to get work. Um, but, of course, I was stressing out about getting all of that done. Yeah. I had some big bills come in, and I was thinking... You know, you can get as sober as you want, but life can still be a shit show, really, can't it? Yes, and it? Our, our day out was a bit of an example of, it was kind of the culmination, the culmination of everything that happened the... in Lucy's week. It kind of all went tits up, didn't it, Lucy? It did, it did. Well, we had a, we had a lovely start to the day, didn't we? Our day yes. was all planned. We were going to um, 
go to the Buddhist centre, have a little wander around. Be a bit zen. Yeah. And um, and then we were heading off for a beautiful facial and then we'd booked a high tea overlooking a lake. Yeah, we were going to hold hands. Yeah. We were going to skip through fields of flowers. We were going to be a vegan all day, weren't we? Yeah. We, we had very good intentions. Yeah, I, yeah. Booked a, I booked a vegan afternoon tea actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, things didn't work out, did they? No, things didn't work out, unfortunately. We were driving to our facial and we got a phone call from my son's daycare. I don't know if anyone listened to the other podcast, but my son recently had a choking incident in Perth and he's had another incident at his daycare where he's gone unconscious. So this is the kind of moral of the story here Mm. so far is that we were able to jump straight into action, weren't we, Lucy? There was no fumbling around, wondering what we should do. And how we were going to get there. Or how we were going to get to the hospital because we were bloody miles away. Yes, yeah, so Lucy jumped into the driving seat. I took the call from the ambulance man, told the history of what was going on with Fred and, and what had happened in Perth and all these other things. And we jumped into action. And I got to the hospital very quickly and, and went to see my son and ran into the emergency ward and then left Lucy stranded without a car <laughs> on her soberversary standing outside a hospital on her own, which, oh, yeah, which I was, was a I bit was sad. Bitch. Yeah. She's put her son over me. Yeah. How can she do that? Uh, no, but it's really, really interesting because of all, all of our podcast topics, they are meant to be. We'd already decided this is what we were talking about. But the funny thing that happened after that, and we can have a bit of a giggle about the day, the disastrous day out now because um, Vic's son is home. He's and, home and he's safe, and there's okay. a bit of investigating to see what's going on with him. But we're all okay. Yes. So we, we are able to kind of breathe a sigh of relief and have a little bit of a laugh about the disastrous side of it yes. all. But yes, yeah, so I'm standing at the at the hospital um, thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get to my car? It's a 25-minute drive away. Did try and call my daughter who didn't answer. Um, and then I saw the cab rank and so I went over and did a deal with the guy um, uh, for 50 bucks to get back to my car. And nice. I got in... And the cab absolutely stunk of old beer and cigarettes. You know that Yuck. smell, the smell that I used to love. Vic. Yes, it was kind of endearing that smell at certain times, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I used to love it, like an old English pub smell. Yes. It was it was just a really manky old cab. Yeah. Classic. And it was horrible. Like all of the interiors were falling apart. You can tell it's been through quite a few nights out. Yeah. And probably a lot of vomit oh, cleaned up in there. Yeah. Over the years. It was a, that distinct smell. Carrot coins. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. So there I am, trundling along back to my car, thinking, <laughs> try, trying not to vomit because of the smell, thinking, well, this is all very ironic. I wasn't expecting this to happen. And I actually felt quite triggered by yeah. the that well, it's smell. It's like you've been sent back in time right there, isn't it? Like in <laughs> yeah, a cab smelling of vomit. <laughs> and to, be, to think I'm doing this on my big sober day out. <laughs> Maybe it was the challenge that was sent to you by the higher power to say, look, this is what you would go back to. Yes, dodgy, dodgy maybe cabs. it was. Yeah. But what it did was it, it definitely was that, that smell because smells are, are very, um, they, they can remind you so much of things and it yeah. really brought it back to me. And I would, wouldn't say that smell made me want to drink again by any means, but it certainly made me feel really uncomfortable and reminded me of the trauma of my drinking years. And of course, um, as if by magic, we had already decided that that's actually what we're 
we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So today we're talking about drinking trauma, the daily reminders that can pop up out of nowhere and momentarily plop us back into who we once were, a pair of dribbly, wobbly drunks. Yep, that was us. Um, So we've called this episode The Sober Hangover, and it's a chat that could be a tad anxiety-inducing for some. I know it will be for us. So make sure you've got a nice cup of chamomile and the rescue remedy at the ready, because today we're discussing traumas and triggers and not the drunken kind. Um, Instead, we're going to share how even when we're happily sober, the trauma of our drinking years can come back to haunt us, sometimes when we least expect it, on our sober anniversary. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We'll look at why this happens, what our own personal experiences are, i.e. the triggers, and how we deal with them in a peaceful, sober manner without going full circle and reverting to our booze hound drinking tactics again. Yes, I like that term, booze hound. It describes me quite well. Yes. Like snivelling around like I was looking for truffles. Yes. Yeah. And sniffing out the nearest... um, alcohol yeah or the free bar or anything like I was a booze hound like searching down my drug of choice and and completely focused on that and nothing else mattered apart from the scent you were following like a bloodhound yeah Yeah, more like a blood with a pair of (laughs) bloodhounds yeah that's what we should call this this podcast if we have a start gang we'll call us the bloodhounds you should change your Facebook group yeah (laughs) the booze hounds the booze hounds.com people are like that's not right (laughs) The reason we think this is such an important topic is because you rarely see it discussed anywhere. And yet it's a significant part and parcel of sober life. The fact is, Lucy and I drank heavily for years. And most of the years were spent on a soul-destroying cycle where we trialled and failed to moderate. Each time with disastrous consequences that negatively impacted our lives on every level. This doesn't just turn on its mousy tail and leave us forever when we stop sculling Stella. It is part of who we are, even when we're squeaky clean sober. Squeak, squeak. Oh, sorry. I've got my pages all mixed up. God. (laughs) You may already be sober, yet experience some horrors of your drinking years and wonder if this is normal. It may be you're preparing for sober life and want to know what's in store for you. Either way, we feel having an open and honest discussion about what we call the sober hangover will put us all in a better position to cope and ensure those rainbows and unicorns stay firmly put in our sober worlds. I think the reason we wanted to talk about this today is because we want to let you know that these triggers that remind you of alcohol, those moments that take you straight back to the time you felt shame after snogging Rick from IT, may make you feel like drinking in early sobriety. But we're here to give you some good news. These moments do fade and get easier to handle the longer you are sober. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about Lucy's year again today. So I remember Lucy saying very early on in her sobriety, she'd would be out somewhere or going for a walk, and she'd suddenly say, oh, "I really fancy a red wine." What, was that your choice? Was it red wine? It was red wine yeah. always. Yeah, and I'd be like, "God, really?" Because my I was further along the track. <laughs> it wasn't really a very good thing to say to my new sober no, friend. I mean, was it really? <laughs> no wonder I was worried Not about very... you all the time. Are you were very right? thoughtful of me, yeah. was it? <laughs> no, but we're just saying like that does happen, doesn't it? Cool, I could do with a drink, Vic. Couldn't you? 
Um, no, actually, Lucy, I'm four years sober, so yeah. I think you might need to read a few more books. Yeah, so I, Lucy used to say that she needed a drink, and I remember like that feeling in early sobriety, like things would set me off, make me go, oh, I couldn't mind a glass of wine, or I wouldn't mind a nice cold beer. But those things have faded for me over the time. And now I feel a sense of relief when I have those feelings. So if I get that moment when there's a beautiful sunset or something, a time where I would have reached for an alcoholic drink, instead of me feeling triggered now, as I said, four years into my sobriety, I actually feel a sense of total relief, which is how this, you know, changes throughout your sobriety your attitude changes and your mindset changes and you know you did used to say that but you Mm. wouldn't say that anymore would you no I wouldn't and I remember when we were first talking about um me coming up to my one year and you said is there any you know is there any chance that you would start again and if you did why would it be and I knew straight away it was like just the one and only thing that is left for me that was good about alcohol was just that sort of that feeling after you'd taken your first drink and you felt good for about 15 minutes yeah that's it and I can see how minuscule that is now and I mean I expect that's actually probably even gone for you hasn't it that feeling of yeah because I see it for what it is yeah Yeah. I know that I know the repercussions from it I know what's going to happen if I drink I know my I know my own behavior so well Mm. especially because we talk about it all the time and I write about it all the Mm. time like I can see every intricate detail of where I was going wrong throughout my life so why would I therefore then repeat that behavior again but yet you do still have things that happen of course and I still feel that feeling but now I'm capable of changing that feeling you're in total control of it now whereas I'm at the stage where I'm still a little bit I wouldn't go back to drinking but I'm still a bit wobbly and I struggle to deal with the triggers yeah and uh, from the trauma of drinking and um so our listeners I'm sure are loads of different stages um as to where they are on that journey and how they feel um, about the years that they drunk. Because you you hate yourself for a long time for drinking and making a fool of yourself. And, you know, it takes a long time to forgive yourself and that does come up. So, you know, like we said in the intro, you might have not given up yet. And so this chat will possibly help people to know what's to come. Because it was something that I just didn't realise was going to happen. And it wasn't something, I didn't think I was going to be triggered a year year into sobriety. Yeah, and of course, those triggers are what really often tend to make people relapse. So that's why we want to talk about it. Because that feeling of anxiety that you feel in those moments is what makes you think about drinking again. Yeah, and just to know that they can happen when yeah. you're nearly four years, like yes. you are, Vic. Yeah. They can still happen. And people do relapse after yes, four years. We've do. had people at the sober group who I remember meeting a lady who had stopped drinking for six years. Yeah, and started and again. And started again. And also things happen in life. Things happen that are out of your out of our control, like what happened to us on Friday. Like things happen. I could never say I will never drink again. If I'm honest with you, right here in the in the troll booth, mm. I couldn't say that. I would like you to say, I would like to say that, but if something happened that was out of my control, I I would like to think I wouldn't drink Mm. and I don't think I would, but you never know, do you? You never know what's going to happen. I I just have to... We should call this the truth booth. The truth booth. (laughs) No, the troll booth's getting a bit bit negative, isn't it? But he's pacing outside the door. We haven't got a troll in it, unless we're the two trolls. Oh yeah, we're the trolls. We're the trolls. The troglodytes. I like it being the truth booth. 
The truth booth. The truth booth. Yes. Um, okay. So let's get started, Vic, with um, all of our um, things that trigger us and all of the traumatic things in our lives yes. to entertain other people. Let's talk about the reasons we are traumatised by our drinking years, even when we're happily sober. Yeah, because I, I put quite a lot of thought into this. Um, in fact, it was my choice, this topic, because it is something I've thought about a lot in the last year. Um, Boring. So- <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> thinking, My topic was much better. No, Vic <laughs> thinking, let's just get this damn topic out of yeah, the way. Yeah, so I and can then she... really get some serious stuff going <laughs> for next time. My topic. <laughs> yeah, we always like this, but it's mine. <laughs> no, this is the truth. Now, and I know all the listeners will totally get me when I say this, um, because the reality is we were living in trauma of trying and failing to give up drinking for 25 years. That's got to do something. That's over half our lives. Yes, that's right. Sometimes I think of a little timeline, you know, like a single line with all the different big occasions in my life and just a big smudge going over half of it. And those are the drinking years. And and that's what we're recovering from, that big black smudge. And it's so big and it covers so much of our lives that we don't just stop drinking and and overcome it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I'm talking about why we're traumatised, it's because we're stuck in this cycle, as I say, of trying and failing to give out drinking. And I've, I've, I've simplified, as I like to do, Vic, as you know, simplified what that cycle is um, into three points. I'd just like to note here that um, Lucy is very tidy and I'm very messy. Like my scripts are very much like war and peace with swear words in. <laughs> and Lucy's is bullet points of one words, which we, we do have slight awkward conversations over, don't we? That we have to, I have to slim mine down and then she has to bump hers up a bit, don't yes. we? So here we, we are. We, here we, we go. We manage it. I thought you were just going to bring up, because when we went through the script earlier today, I had a bit of a go at Vic because I thought she changed the form. Format oh, yeah, on my on, the, on my next section of three points. Yeah, I said, "Oh shit!" I said, "You've changed the format." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I didn't. I haven't touched it." Oh, God, I'm going red now. Even thinking about it, I'm bloating up again. But I did realise that I was wrong and apologised. Okay, good. You hadn't fiddled with me. You hadn't fiddled with me format. <laughs> anyway, the three points <laughs> in the cycle that we've been dealing with for 25 years. Number one, promising ourselves we wouldn't drink too much. Number two. Drinking way too much and making complete tits of ourselves. Number three, having the hangover from hell, which included self-loathing, anxiety and physical effects, which made us honestly feel we may die, alongside loss of belongings, respect, friends, dignity, several hours of our lives, possibly our jobs, parts of our bodies and God knows how many brain cells. You forgot to add um, strangers popping their penises into your vagina. (laughs) That was my one of my top ones. I very, very, rarely, barely, rarely remembered it. Yeah, carry on. That's why I didn't put it on there. Yeah, that would have been my top and one. Then, <laughs> and then we're going to swing around back to point one, promising ourselves we wouldn't drink again. And so it goes on with those three points for 25 years of our lives. Um, and I would actually liken it to some form of uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I, I thought that was possibly a little bit, you know, is it really, could it really be something like that that we're suffering from um, just because we drank too much for a very large percent of our lives? So I actually looked it up online and Vic's going to read out what I found. 
Um, PTSD is a disorder characterized by failure to recover after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. The condition may last months or years with triggers that can bring back memories of the trauma accompanied by intense emotional and physical reactions. Symptoms may include nightmares or flashbacks, avoidance of situations that bring back the trauma, heightened reactivity to stimuli, anxiety or depressed mood. Mm. So, I mean, that is, isn't it? That's what we were, that's what we're suffering with, really. That's what the triggers are. They're mm. taking us back there and making us feel traumatised, mm. yeah. yeah. And that, for some, can make us think, gosh, thank God I don't drink. And for others, it can make me think, gosh, I would like a drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can be a trauma that, it, it can trigger um, that traumatic stage in your life that doesn't necessarily make you want to have a drink, but it's still a very difficult time to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to cover. It is like a bad dream. That's a good a good way of describing it. Or, or, that my drinking is do feel like a bit of a nightmare that I of sort of woke up from. Yeah, yeah. that black smudge the or black a nightmare, smudge, yeah. either or. Yeah. Um, uh, but I actually wanted to bring up because when you were reading that out just then, it really reminds me, and also the cycle, the three point cycle. It reminds me of your diary. Yeah, um, perfect example. It, yeah. Of that. Because your diary was, I don't really don't want to drink again. I don't like myself for drinking. I don't like who I am when I drink. And then the next day, the entry would be, went out last night and drank too much. That's yeah. what was happening. And how many years ago was that, Vic? I mean, that was 15 years ago. But I've got diaries from when I was um, 16 onwards that all say the same thing. Hmm. It's, I went out last... There's a, I can see early teens, there's a point where I was enjoying it, but I still see that my behaviour was worse than most people. Yes. That it was more outlandish, that I was the one instigating and that, it, you know, it was from a very, very young age that I was creating this trauma for, for now. Hmm. Yeah, it, it never ended, so... And, that you, and you picked up that there was something different about your drinking to other people's. Definitely. Yeah. I was the bloodhound. Yeah, was it the bloodhound, the booze hound? The booze hound, yeah, the bloodhound <laughs> sniffing out the booze. You were, yeah. yeah. Whereas other people were having a drink, but not on that kind of level no. where nothing else matters. No, I wanted to get blotto. That was my aim, was to get blotto and look how brilliant I am to everybody else. Look how drunk I can be. Mm. Yeah. It's look, terrible, really. Look how fast I can drink this pint of Stella. Yeah, no, snake bite and black. Oh, but mine was Stella. A Luton record. <laughs> oh, you've gone up in my estimation. Thank you. Can I quick bow down? Quick yeah. Bow down? yeah. <laughs> A Luton record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so that struggle caused me now to suffer in ways I could never have predicted. Hmm, of course. And it, and it's just such a long period of suffering, isn't it? You don't get over it that quickly. Um, so next, let's talk about what sort of things trigger these negative post-booze episodes for us. Yeah, well, I just wanted to go over quickly the types of triggers that I suffer since giving up drinking, which is there's two types. So the first type is external triggers. People, places, things or times of day that offer drinking opportunities or remind you of drinking. And then the second one is internal triggers, feelings that just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, so something like the smell of that taxi cab, that would mm. be in an external trigger, wouldn't yep. it? Yeah. Yep. But you can also, what you're saying there, Vic, is you can also just be on a thought process and suddenly bang something. Yeah, I suppose you can just be thinking about something that's happened in the past and then you suddenly remember something ridiculously awful that you did when you were drunk. Yeah. And it, it, make, it actually can make me come out in a hot sweat. I was about to say, it makes my stomach turn. Mm. If I think about, gosh, one situation, one really shameful situation, mm. it pops into my 
my head for no matter what reason, it actually makes me feel yes, physically sick and I feel anxious. Yeah. So that has got and that so that's a physical reaction to the trauma that you've suffered. Yeah. And yeah. it's in me, like it's in me all yeah. the time. It's part of you. It's part of your yeah. history. It's because it's so ingrained in us and we've done it for so many years that it's just become part of us. And something I've just thought of as well is that a lot of the reason that we drunk were to numb out or forget things because we didn't want to deal with them in our life. And that's our habit. That's our way. That's our sort of mechanism of dealing with things for the last 25 years with blocking them out with booze. Yeah. And so without the booze being there, our natural thing is to block block things out. But we can't. We've actually got to face them. Yeah. So when that awful memory comes and you feel physically sick, you just have to let it go. Yeah, don't you, you have let to. it flow through yeah. you. Um, and so we're going to talk to you about some of our triggers and uh, one of my biggest ones <clears throat> and I, I have to say they are becoming less and less but is drinking dreams yes um, I don't know if any of our listeners have drinking dreams but I had them pretty much nightly until I was about nine months sober gosh that is a that is a lot of dreams yeah yeah, yeah. and um, they were really quite horrific and Usually I didn't feel drunk in the dreams. It was it was waking I was hung over in them okay. and full of shame. So it's the waking up point. Mm. The, the the hangover. The realization of what you've done. <clears throat> yep. And or not knowing what I've done. So it's done. almost like that classic anxiety dream when there's a stranger trace chasing you down the road and you wake up just at the point they're about to plunge yeah. a knife into your back. Yeah. So it's like that. <gasps> It's horrific. This can't be happening. It's almost like you save yourself in that moment, but then you've got to wake up and deal with the dream. Mm, you yeah. do. And a lot of people, because I did put it on your group once a long time ago when I was first, like, oh God, I was thinking, when are they going to stop? Yeah. So I put them on the group and a lot of people were responding with, yeah, I get them and I'm so relieved when I wake up and it's a dream. But I, mine was so awful that I actually woke up feeling pr pretty rough and sometimes with a headache. Mm. for um, several hours. So an actual sober hangover, exactly yeah, what we're I talking felt, about. I yeah. did, yeah. I had a headache and I felt anxious and I felt the dream stayed with me because it was so awful that it actually ruined the first part of the day. I didn't wake up and think, oh, thank God it was just a dream. It, you know, yeah. it was. It had brought up some really horrible memories. Yeah. Um, so drinking dreams were... Um, just such a, a an ongoing problem for me. But now at a year, I would say that I get them probably about once a week. Okay. So they have dropped off, but they are big triggers. Yes. I, I, your dreams are much more interesting than mine, Lucy. Mine, my recent dream was that I worked in a poo factory. Oh, no, that's quite an exciting dream. It was actually. I quite enjoyed it. I had to process it in different ways, like pull it through a big pipe. And I had to bang a spanner spanner against the machine so that it would run along a conveyor belt well and go into a plastic container. Yeah, it was like a proper, like a food factory, but everything in Where, there was poo. I don't poo? know what it means. Yeah, whose poo don't was know. it? Don't know. But I woke up feeling full of joy. <laughs> And needing the toilet. <laughs> needing a shit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, your dreams are much more insightful than mine. I quite like that dream. Yeah, no, I did too. It was lovely. <laughs> anyway, I might tell you another one of my triggers now we've heard your dream. Yes, okay. You... <laughs> Move along. I can tell you're enjoying this topic. Oh, you might you might turf me out of the booth in a, in a moment, mightn't you? I might. Um, if you don't behave yourself okay, and, start, and start being sensible and serious like okay. you usually are. Yes. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, another thing that, that when I think about what triggers me is something overwhelming. When I feel overwhelmed by anything, um, like even sometimes when we're doing these podcasts, I say to Vic, you know, we've got too much to talk about, too much to cover. I can't deal it. I need to simplify everything. And I think that comes because of the kind of person I am. I like things to be organized and um, quite simplistic. But also, I remember overwhelm being a really, really big issue when I was hungover. You know, everything, you might be really organized in your your life, you go out and get hammered, you're on a three-day hangover and everything starts piling up on top of you, especially as a single mum. I was just behind with everything. Yeah, you feel like everything's falling apart oh, because you, you don't do. feel capable. Well, everything is yeah. falling apart because you're not doing anything because you're just trying to nurse yourself yeah. back to normality. Yeah. And um, so I, whenever I feel overwhelmed now, that triggers a, fi- a, a really, you know, I feel unnecessarily bad when I'm overwhelmed. And I think that comes from feeling overwhelmed with hangovers. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that triggers me is other people's hangovers. So um, as I've mentioned quite a few times, I've got an 18-year-old daughter who, she's not a huge drinker, but occasionally her and her boyfriend will go out and they'll come back. And then the next day they've got hangovers. And of course they're young. They can cope with these hangovers, but it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Mm. And even on TV or in reading reading a book, if someone's got a hangover, I, I can feel it. It, it. I can feel it in my very core. Yeah, gosh. Um, and, and that drinking smell, the, the smell from that I was talking about in the cab that time, the smell of old drink, the smell of people who have been drinking the night before, that sickly sweet smell that comes out of you. I had an old boyfriend who... Um, who didn't drink very much and he used to say to me in the morning that he didn't want to light a match in the same room as me because I might go up in flames. (laughs) (laughs) Ethanol burning off your skin. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, Another thing that that also triggers me to feel really bad as well is when I can't get to sleep because of all of those years of, of, you know, like when we talked to William Porter about how alcohol affects our sleep and that four o'clock in the morning that he was saying, you wake up and then it's as if you've had eight cups of coffee. You feel that anxiety oh, yeah. um, and there's no way you're getting back to sleep. But of course, we do try and we can't and it's horrible. So even if I'm lying in bed now and I can't sleep, it takes me back um, and I feel quite uncomfortable. Um, and and probably really the last one on my list is... Um, is <laughs> I can't watch Downton Abbey. That is a shame because Downton Abbey is good. Yeah, I know. Have you watched the movie? I've watched everything, of course. Oh, well, I'll explain. Yeah, so I I watched a lot of Netflix because I was an at-home drinker for many years, yeah. um, drunk. And um, Downton Abbey, I, I thoroughly enjoyed getting absolutely plastered and watching it. And there's a lot of drinking in it as well, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, and especially there? when you live in Australia, it makes you feel cosy oh, and it you makes do. you feel a bit homesick, yeah. even though we didn't live in the 18th century or <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it was, you know, set yeah. in. But it makes you, you, there's nice views of British countryside. Oh, I love that, and yeah. You like the outfits and the yeah, hats. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, so I drink all my way through Downton Abbey and I actually watched it twice, plastered. And um, it really probably was one of my, the best things I like doing in all of my life at that time in my life. <laughs> How awful Sad. that is, yeah. I know. Um, but and now, the other day, I went to watch the movie because the movie's on Netflix and I, I actually press the play and the music came on I, I thought I, ca- I cannot however much I want to watch this I cannot watch it because it reminds me of drinking gosh it was so good s- it's good that you didn't you know you recognise that didn't, stopped, didn't, press, didn't press play and rush out for the red wine no yeah well, exactly <laughs> face down on that the was living an room option. floor again I mean yeah exactly that is an yeah. option that, that yeah. you didn't take so that's no I did I, I, I didn't watch it but it's the same with Mad Men 
Yeah, right. Because they and the ones where they drink a lot, I was drinking because yes. they were normalising it for me. Yeah. So and they were like, it was like someone said, it's okay to have a drink. They're drinking. Oh, um, the normalisation on yes, TV shows yeah. is really bloody annoying, isn't yeah. it? Oh, oh the it only is. one I really love is Queer Eye. You know, Queer Eye. I have with watched Jonathan. That one, yeah. They drink tea at the end. They all get together and they watch who whoever they've made look amazing. And at the end, they all sit around and have a cup of tea. Great. And at the end of it, I'm just like, I'm full of happiness because I'm just like. This is the only programme I've ever watched where everybody sits around and has a celebratory cup of tea while doing something yeah. social. I really appreciate that on that show. Yeah. Obviously, I notice these things, but I, I love that show anyway. Yeah, Jonathan's you, you like do. You, know, you notice all the drinks. Yes. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I don't, if it's, it's weird because if it's a new show that I wasn't yeah. watching while I was drinking, I don't mind it. Yeah. Occasionally, I think, oh, when they're pouring the red wine, I think. Mm. I shout out at the television now. What do you say? Me, I, I shout out because I'm like, oh, yeah, drinking's the fucking answer, isn't it? All of it. <laughs> John's like, my husband's like, thinks I'm mad. I'm like, here they go again, drinking to solve all their problems. <laughs> nice, peaceful night in with the wife. <laughs> I'm literally up on my haunches throwing like, things at like the you, screen. banging your fist in the air <laughs> yeah. like this. Damn you, Downton Abbey. <laughs> I know, it makes me angry. Bitch, put in the red. <laughs> I know, it does. It annoys me, though. Because I'm not just stop doing that. It's just giving a bad message to my children. <laughs> Who are in bed fast yeah. asleep. Yeah. Um, tell us your triggers. Um, my trigger is acting drunk when sober. So we've talked about that I do that <laughs> what, like in time. front of the TV. Yeah, yeah, like, a, like a like belligerent maniac. <laughs> No, Vic, yeah, so never you. My social thing is that I do act a little bit drunk still when I go out because I think that's kind of what's expected of me. And then afterwards I feel this sober hangover and sense of shame afterwards, which makes me feel like, oh, and, and it brings me back to being drunk and being hungover. Um, yeah, anything that takes me back to any sort of past trauma, like my ecstasy overdose, which I've talked about before, if I feel anxiety, it takes me back there, which in turn would probably make me feel like I either wanted to drink or wanted to numb out in some way because I don't like thinking about horrible things, I guess. Mm. It's as simple as that. And we've been using alcohol to numb out for so yeah. bloody long. Yeah, so when you think about anything negative, you're not, not, your brain is, yeah. you know, it's... it's how am I going to numb out? What am I going to use? Yeah, what to am numb I going to use? Yeah. yeah, I just bang my head against the wall repeatedly for an hour. That seems to help. <laughs> um, children, anger—that's an obvious one. I mean, repeat it as a parent of three, repeating myself again and again and again, like "Where's your socks? Have you cleaned your teeth?" Like normal everyday things that children should learn how to do and never ever do. I find very, very triggering for me because that's what makes my anger rise is the sound of my own bloody voice. Do you think some of the um, trigger in that is the fact that you're sort of repeating yourself and you're not getting you're not getting yeah. anywhere with it, yes. which is what you were doing with your drinking, repeating the same habits yes. and not going anywhere? Oh, probably. That is probably deep down is what's mm. going on. It's making me angry that I can't get something to happen that I desperately want to happen. Yes, which is, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I desperately want my kids to put their socks on. Yeah. I desperately want to stop drinking. Yeah. There could be some similarity in that in your head. Yeah, it's the same the thing. Frustration. The frustration yeah. takes me back there. Mm. Yeah. Um, simple things like the end of a day. I know it sounds crazy, but the end of the day was for me the time where I cracked open a wine or, you know, the nice sound of a beer 
being opened. The simple ending of 24 hours of... So when you, you say, you mean the sunset time? The sunset time for me is a real trigger. And what tell me, what about just after the sun has set? How do you feel about that time of day? I never used to really remember that time. Oh, because I find dusk very depressing. Very right. depressing. Okay, why is that? I, um, because uh, the party, I feel like the party's over. And because right. the party, like I love day, well, I used to love daytime drinking. Yeah. And then, you know, when the sun had gone down, obviously the sunset's beautiful, but then dusk would come and it's a very grey, a very grey Because that's funny because that's where, like, so you, I never did day drinking. So for me, the party is starting at that stage. Yes. So that's, so that's why, a sign that it's all beginning. Yeah, it's all beginning. So I used to get excited. So I get taken back to that feeling when I see a nice sunset. I'm like, oh, I we just go. remember like, oh, yeah, that sort of feeling of excitement for a yeah. night out. So that Whereas is, like the night time I like because that's party time. Yes. But there was always something about dusk. Even now, sober, dusk is very depressing. Does, does, so does hair start to grow on your skin? <laughs> Do you start howling at, howling at the moon? Like, only, only if it's a full moon. Okay, yeah. yeah. You used to be a werewolf, but you're all right. No! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, house music is probably my biggest trigger, I would say, out of yeah, everything. Yeah. My heart starts to go. I actually mm. feel like I'm gurning, mm, like I mm. used to if I'd taken many mm. ecstasy tablets <laughs> Not, <laughs> and you yeah. did take one too yeah, many I did ones. take one too many it makes me feel like I'm going straight back to a rave and dancing with white gloves with a mask on not masks I used to have E written on a mask and had a boyfriend that did li- big fish little fish you really dancing. went for it with all the paraphernalia of the 90s yeah, dance it takes music it, it takes me back there I actually do enjoy now <laughs> listening to house sometimes music sometimes going slip on your white gloves yeah, have a little dance I know and have a little dance I do sometimes do that on the balcony when no one's looking I put on an old ministry of sound collection and I'm like raving on my front deck in the middle of the night on a full moon actually funnily enough <laughs> Full moon party at my house. You'll have to invite me next time. Yeah, even that song. Did you know that song Disco like dancing Revenge? with an old dog. <laughs> Do you know that song Disco Revenge? Yeah. yeah. That one makes my skin yeah. all go funny. It's like I have a hit of dopamine as soon as I hear yeah. any sort of good house tune. So it's does funny. it ruin the enjoyment of house music for you? Because I, about house music, is, is, I just love. But I have to admit it goes hand yeah. in hand with those party drugs. It makes my jaw clench a little bit. Just yeah. the sound of house music because I just imagine me in a nightclub toilet, probably not even dancing, just gurning and saying to people, have you come up yet? Yeah. Or looking, just... <laughs> looking in the mirror thinking how beautiful you are. <laughs> yeah. And who are you? Yeah. <laughs> it was a very strange oh, my time. my eyes look really beautiful tonight. Yeah, you fall in love with everything. Your pupils are, really... pupils are massive. <laughs> Do not take drugs, people. They're bad for you. Yeah. I, I love house music still, but I totally understand what you're saying there. I just feel sad that you're not getting the enjoyment from it anymore because no. I know my kids think it's really mad that I love house music. I do still listen to it and I still enjoy it, but I do feel a sense of like wanting a drug or a drink to go mm. with it. It's like yeah. associated. Well, that's really why it was made. It was yeah, made it hand shoulder in hand to shoulder. With exactly. That, yeah. It's like I want to be at the Hacienda with, uh, mm. you know. Yeah, with the Stone yeah. Roses. And- well, I was just about to say the Stone Roses I loved th- all throughout my drinking days, but I have listened to them so much recently. Sometimes I think with that kind of music, if it does take you back and it kind of ruins the music for you, so yeah. keep listening yeah. because then you'll associate it with the present time yes, as well. Yes, it can be nostalgic. Like I yeah. want to feel n- nostalgic about those good times, like those raves and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, it does make me feel a bit anxious. Yeah, yeah. and I get that. Um, the other one is holidays um 
obviously when you have kids as well, they're not the same as they used to be. So holidays, it was a big drinking time for me. I just used to look forward to going boozing. Um, and it sets off a real fight or flight response for me. There's mm. no because there's no chilling out anymore. There's no sitting by the pool with a hangover in a big pair of sunglasses and a floppy hat ordering cocktails. It doesn't happen for me. So now I find holidays a little bit anxious, and still I find I, I would probably it is the time where I'd watch a sunset and lean in for a drink. So I just find those a little bit intense still. It's not really, that I want to yeah. drink there, but the association is still very, very clear in my mind. It's an interesting point that you've brought up because I would have said that there's no point even going on holiday if you can't have a drink. Yeah, I would have said that too yeah. back in the day, especially I, a cruise or something like I, that. I think I'm only just starting to think now that, yeah, I would book a holiday now. It would still be good. I think what's the point of even going if yeah, you can't have a drink? Same. I would think that. It would I just mean, be a waste of money. Yeah. But even now, if you're going to the most beautiful place in the world, if you can't have a drink, don't go. But now I would enjoy that place and I would appreciate everything about it mm. and love the nature and the hot weather. And those things are enough now. Whereas yeah. that's such huge progression for you in a year to go like, actually, yeah, I would book a holiday and I would enjoy it. I don't know. I'm not quite as far as you when yeah. you said that. I'm like, no, I'm not thinking I would go and I would. De- I might struggle. Yeah. I'm, I would I would probably struggle if I went on a holiday without Start alcohol. Butlins and then go. <laughs> To work, work, your, work way your way up, way up to Pontins. Yeah. yeah, work your way up to Pontins. I don't think they have those in Australia. No. You've gone all English on <laughs> yes, us. Sorry. <laughs> um, some people wrote in, I did a little uh, Instagram post on our at Sober Awkward um, Instagram page, and we wanted to know what your triggers were and 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 how they made you feel. So we had loads of responses. So thank you, everybody, to, that wrote in. Um, I'm going to start with one that came up a lot which was festivals. Yeah, because who wants to go to a festival yeah. sober? I mean, really, yeah. those horrible toilets, oh. sleeping conditions. Yeah, jesters with annoying hats. You've with... got to be pissed to go. Yeah, no, you've got to be pissed. <laughs> all yeah. those jugglers. I wonder, all those jugglers. I wonder if we would enjoy one now. Like, I love live music, so it'd be a shame not to go to a festival again, but maybe that's a challenge that me and Lucy will do at some point yes. this year. Maybe we should do an opera or something. You know? No, thanks. <laughs> You're on your own on that one. Um, okay, uh, people mentioned pub trivia. Yes, I used to be in a blackout by the geography round. Oh, yeah, or asleep just because it was so boring. Yeah. You have to be pissed to do pub trivia as well. <laughs> yeah, true. I know. <laughs> sadness. Uh, I was wondering whether we put sadness there because he didn't win the, the meat tray at the pub quiz <laughs> because he went home early. Now, that's an Australian thing. Yes, <laughs> meat trays. Yeah, for your English listeners in Australia, you... Win a meat tray when you go to a pub quiz for some reason. It's yeah, very or strange a raffle, for us. Yeah. yeah. Or a seafood tray. Yeah. Win a prawn. <laughs> crab. Go home. It's a new meaning to going home with crabs. Yeah. It's yeah, different <laughs> to the 90s. Shame. Someone said shame. Did quite a few people say shame? A lot of shame? people said shame. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, said of depression. And that's what you were saying. That's shame. It one back one brilliant one was um, unexpected alcohol. So turning up to a kid's party or something like that and everyone being on the beers. So a situation that you're not prepared for and you're just looking forward to in like your sober Mm. life and then everyone's there drinking. That would be huge. Yeah, but then again, you think, well, if you didn't know it was going to be there, then you didn't have to spend three days worrying about going to an event where there was going to be alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know which is worse. Yeah, probably just as Um, bad. Someone else said pain. Yeah, so it numbs the pain, doesn't it? Yeah, just general pain. It could be mental Mm. or physical, Mm. I guess. Tasting food, for some people they don't like it if they're out and suddenly they have a beef bourguignon or something like that mm. and and you taste the alcohol in there. Yeah, I think some alcoholics um, do 
eat food that's had alcohol in it because apparently it does burn off in the cooking stage. I personally haven't really known that I've had alcohol in food yet. Mm. Um, I, I don't think I have and I, I think I would notice, but I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I haven't come across that yet, a problem uh, with alcohol in food. But I can understand if you have something like, as you say, a beef burger on it, it's got that certain taste to it. Yes. It would make you think, Oh, I want a red wine. Back to the red wine. Oh, we're, but we are uh, vegetarian at the moment, just so we say we do. Although we have the obvious bug in your... Well, yeah, we're not doing very well. No. We're trying. Trying not to eat animals. Um, sunny day. Yeah, I classic. I can get that, yeah. yeah. Um, first date, the TV show, somebody wrote in. Yeah. So they're all boozing on it the whole time. Oh, are same, they? Same yeah. as Downton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fridays. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sundowners on Fridays. Toddlers. Like what I said. Oh, you is, know. That, is that because they behave like drunks? Yeah, also because um, also because they're absolutely mental running yeah. around the house with you have no prediction of what they're going to get up to next and you mm. probably want to numb out in the evening afterwards for yep. sure. And this is a good one, cooking. So, you know, while uh, I used to be, this, I agree with this because you're cooking roast dinner. Hmm. I actually didn't cook a roast dinner for a long time because I, what was the point of cooking a roast dinner if you couldn't have a bottle of red with it? Yeah, right. Yes, that's a, such a strong association there, isn't mm. there, as well? Yeah, but now I do. Yeah, Now I do, don't even think about it. Birthdays, of course, your own mm. and everybody else's. Mm. Any big celebration, Any really. massive thing, yeah. Um, some people said non-alcohol beer, mm-hmm. which can, of course, be a trigger. Non-alcoholic drinks that look like alcohol, uh, they're not going to be helpful for some people. Um, certain songs. Um, I've, oh, we were just saying, weren't we? Yeah, exactly. Certain house music. Mm. Um, mumble rap. I keep hearing a lot about mumble rap. <laughs> My son keeps telling what me about it. Oh, it's just when people are mumbling instead of talking properly in rap music. But I, they all shout about shots, shots, like taking shots. Mm, yes, like, they do. It's like really, really common. Those oh, yeah. That. And they, drugs. There's a lot of drugs that come up in, in those. But um, I used to listen to Snoop Dogg and stuff and they'd talk about sex and drugs and things like that. But it never, I never thought, oh, it would, you know, I didn't influence me terribly. I just thought, oh, that's kind of cool. But I suppose that would trigger you if you were sober. Yeah, and I think that it is more direct now. I mean, there's a song, We're Going to Get Drunk, We're Going to Get High, that yeah. song now that my kids were listening to when they were like 10 or something. Yes, and they sing the words, it's, don't they? Yeah. And you're like, oh, stop singing those words. Oh, goodness. I think they're just so much, yeah, so much more direct what they're talking about in the songs. Yeah, so Hopefully and, the kids don't know what they're talking about. Well, we like to think. Yeah. We like to think, but um, they know more than we want them to know because of the internet. Hmm. Someone has said um, barbecues with beer in plastic cups. Yeah, something sort of Mo- cosy <laughs> about that, isn't be, it? Yeah, a trigger. Someone take the plastic cups away. <laughs> yeah. Um, death of a family member, which of we course, did talk about. Yeah. Anything like stressful. Um, Marks and Spencers. This was an English person who has said Marks and Spencers, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, on the way home from work and grabbing a can of mojito. Oh, habit, there you go. Another habit that just runs in yeah. line with your drinking. What a great journey home from work. She yeah. was having for all those years. Well, for what she what could remember you, of it, yeah. I guess. I, I, I'd like to know what you have now on your journey home from work. Yeah, she probably has like a non-alcoholic mojito or something. Yeah, yeah it's or probably just, just a fizzy nice, water with yeah, lime and juice or mint. a nice chai tea. Mm, yeah, good. like that. Um, one of mine is camping. I find camping very, very stressful mm. to the point where now I actually avoid it. Oh, yeah, me too. And so any stress again, and in fact, my children don't know this, but I'll tell everybody on here, I put them to bed and then go home. So we have to actually... Go home and have a sleep and come back. I leave all my family at the campsite. So when we go camping, (laughs) this is top tips, top drunk mummy, sober mummy tips right now. I put them to bed, 
We only camp 10 kilometer radius from mm. my house. I tuck them up, read them a story, give them a kiss, zip up the tent, and I'm wheel spinning, spinning out of the driveway. And it, is, is your husband around? Where's no, your he husband? He stays with the kids. <laughs> oh, I leave him in the lurch. Dad, glad someone yeah, does. No, I leave him there. Your poor I go, husband. I know. So I you're come at home. home in the night. Do you, yes. send, do you send him a good, a good night message from no. the comfort of your bed? I go to them in the morning and cook breakfast. That's my come up. And oh, that's how yeah. I, yeah, yeah, so that's... I'm there by the time they wake up. And they have no idea that I've been gone. Oh, very, because very they clever. know the result of me not sleeping well on a campsite <laughs> is me being like a grumpy ogre yeah. for twenty four hours afterwards. It's not worth it. It's better for them that I go home and get a good night's kip. So yeah, I lived in a van for many years, like yeah. travelling. Yeah, I've done my slumming it. Yeah, I, I can't uh, yeah, do it and anymore. I, I completely, I understand it as well. I once camped for six months yeah, in one awful. hit, and um, I'm done. the same. I, I went camping once, and I was washing up in a campsite where you weren't allowed to use washing up detergent and it, we'd had steak for dinner and I was scrubbing away at these pans thinking right that's it never again <laughs> and so I have never been again uh, yeah. but I like that tip of yours it's a great one yeah. And um, but then that, that lack of sleep Vic actually probably does come as we were talking yeah. about with William Porter and that's, that's the trigger right there that's the trigger yes yeah, lack of sleep you feel like you're hung over and yeah. that's why you're so moody so yeah. go home and get a decent night's sleep get yeah. it good idea yeah. um, and so that's how you avoid um, and deal with that particular trigger, which brings up some trauma of your past. So we're going to just talk how, about how we do in general deal with these. Um, do you want to go first or shall I? You go. I'll go. Okay. So when, when something sets me off, like a, a drinking dream or a bad night's sleep or um, even like you have with the memory of house music, because it does happen, um, I try and see it for what it is. So rather than trying to fight it and think, oh God, oh God, this is awful. I feel terrible. It's reminded me of when I used to drink. And then that reminds me of when I made a complete fool of myself. Um, I try um, and be kinder to myself and think, look, I endured a lot of trauma. I think of that black, black smudge over hmm. my, the timeline of my life um, and how big it is and how much of my life it took over and how hard it was and how amazing I was to overcome it. So I try and turn it around and think it's okay to feel a bit traumatised right now. I know why it is. It's because this such, such and such has triggered me, but I'm in a different place now. <clears throat> um, so... That's a little bit like I put for my next point, which is kind of the same thing, which is you know talk through the reality of this situation. So I am, um, you know, I feel this way um, because that has triggered me from something from my past. But I'm not living in my past. I'm a different person now. Um, and you know, if you need to make lifestyle changes, do that. You know, do things you have to do. Go camping. You know, don't go camping too far from home so you can go home and get a good night's sleep. Make those changes to avoid those triggers if you know they're going to happen. Uh, as I said earlier. One of my biggest ones is feeling overwhelmed and then suddenly feeling, oh, God, I feel like, a, you know, I used to when I had a hangover. Happens a lot to me. So I, uh, I I then drop something in my life. I go through all the different elements of my life. I think, OK, because you know, I do charity work, I've dropped one of those shifts recently because I was feeling overwhelmed and starting to feel really bad and horrible. Yeah. Again. So you're, you're sort of managing your life in a better way yeah. to avoid these triggers. Yeah, definitely. And that, I mean, that's just a small thing, dropping a shift um, at a charity job. But, you, you know, if you didn't need to do bigger things, do them. Yeah. I mean, some people probably have to move houses. Well, they have move, to ditch move. their husbands and yeah, things like that. Yeah, massive things. I don't, I'm, that's quite a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> oh, you can't possibly. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> and 
imagine me walking into the sunset. Who would look after the kids when you yeah, go home would. to that sleep in your comfy bed if you've ditched your husband? I know, I'll be off. I'll be in another country by then. <laughs> okay. See ya. Yeah, bye. Bad luck. <laughs> Can I just tell you from someone who's been there, it does not work no, like okay, that. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you have to accept that getting sober is a whole new way of life. Um, and I've kind of, Vic and I have both put very similar ones down, haven't we, um, saying this. So embrace new people and embrace new places. Like we were just saying that don't have the horrible reminders. But yeah, accept that it's a new way of life and change your life accordingly. And and also get help if you need to. If you're really struggling and you're, you're finding that you're being triggered several times each day and it's taking you back, remember it is a form of... PTSD, go and get some professional help from your doctor, find somebody you can talk to, um, even mention it on a sober group and see how other people have worked through it, but know that you are worthy of help. Yeah. So I think as well, I'm just going to confirm pretty much what you've said, Lucy. These triggers, they are memories. They're memories of our past that kind of creep up behind us and tap us on the shoulder. And the only way to deal with them is to sort of retrain your brain into recognising them for what they are. And therapy will definitely help with that. Um, and it does, I think there's a really good message here is that it does get better the further along you go because the you start to recognise the places and people and things that make you feel anxious and you're capable of managing, like we just said, and working out what sets you off and what doesn't. And that's really helpful the longer you go in your sobriety. I think if you keep having relapses along the line, I don't think it would be as easy to recognise the triggers. Mm. But if you keep on one solid stretch of sobriety, it will be easier for you to to comprehend when it's happening and how to avoid it. Um, so, yeah, as your attitude to alcohol changes, you do too. Um I think in those moments as well, you've got to remember the outcome of drinking, the reality of it, the vomit and the anxiety. You need to breathe, take a moment and let the feeling pass through your body. Feel it, let it go, put the fucking kettle on. So what mm. we always say is like sit within that moment, feel the feels and then go and put the kettle on and have a cup of tea and just be proud of yourself that you didn't reach for a drink. You're not quitting booze. As Lucy said, this is a whole new way of life. Everything will be changing. So don't expect things to ever be the same. Don't expect to enjoy a festival again. I mean, mm. you could probably on some level enjoy it, but it's never going to be the same as it was before. Um, you don't have to be the same you. You don't have to be that just a hat-wearing weirdo with saucer <laughs> eyes leaping around in a field. You can be someone else. Um, you've done that behaviour. It's time to try something new. So... It's time to be the sober you, which which is hard sometimes. That's what we're talking about today. It is hard being sober sometimes and it is hard to accept these moments in life where you feel like drinking or you feel like you remember what happened to your PTSD from drinking. But it is it does get easier. It definitely gets easier. I mean, uh, and I think after that, you know, first three months you get triggered a lot. And when you said about putting the kettle on... I mean, in the first three months, I can remember just sitting in a silent room, just thinking, I just, I, I, I don't like how I feel. It's just horrible. Um, and, you know, I don't know what to do with myself because I was so used to reaching for the drink. Mm -hmm. You just have to let that moment pass. And it will pass. Mm. And it will pass much quicker than you imagine it passing. Mm. And remember yeah. that the triggers will keep coming and you keep dealing with them the same way. If they still keep coming, you might need to make some bigger changes and you might need to get some professional help to get through them. 
but they do become less and less. Look at my drinking dreams, which I was having every yeah. single night and now I have about once a week. But what could I do? They just kept coming. Mm. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, you had one of my drinking dreams. I think you actually started dreaming that I'd started drinking. Yes, I had terrible dreams about you starting drinking. Not me. It was I'd wake up and think, oh my God, Lucy's drinking again. Yeah. And I'd wake up with palpitations think, oh God, how awful that would be. Yeah. Because I, and I think because I'd kept telling you about my drinking dreams, yeah. and so I'd passed it on to you. And then I dreamt you worked in the poo factory as well. <laughs> Did no, you I didn't really? Know. Oh, I wanted to. <laughs> as long as, I just don't know if it's human poo. I don't know <laughs> if no. I want to work there. It I don't was, know if I it, want a job. It was. Anyway, we've got. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't want a job at the poo factory then. Uh, okay. We've got, anyway, we've got some anyway. tips. Yeah, <laughs> moving on from the poo factory. It's such an intellectual podcast. <laughs> it's like we're really going off on one. We're giving some really good advice, and then suddenly the poo factory comes up, or something like that. Yes, yeah, sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's just our weird brains doing weird things. <laughs> Tips and takeaway: Consider tracking and analysing your urges to drink for a couple of weeks. That's a really good idea. So Mm. make a diary of what sets you off, all of these things that we've talked about. This will help you become more aware of when and how you experience urges and flashbacks, what triggers them and ways to control them. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, And as much as we wish we could completely forget our disgraceful drinking years altogether, they are always part of us. In fact, it's possible that your least finest drinking moments are what pushed you towards getting sober. Learn to live with the past and continue to learn from it rather than attempting to block it out altogether. Know that if, like Lucy and I, your failed quest for moderation or sobriety went on for a large percentage of your lifetime, then you have endured a very traumatic experience. You have every right to feel upset, wobbly and angry about it, even when you're comfortably sober. I guess what we're saying is, be kind to yourself. Yes, always, always. When something happens that triggers you and reminds you of your days of debauchery, try to spin your thinking about it. So, for example, if you're tired and it reminds you of a hangover, focus on how wonderful it is that you actually don't have a hangover. You're simply tired and tomorrow will be another bright day and not day two of a whopper three-day hangover. God, they were the worst. Yeah, and I mean, they? I say three days, but they often went on yeah. longer. They went on until I drank again. Yeah. Yeah. Which was what, like two hours? Yeah, not long after. (laughs) Couldn't face it. If you are being triggered a lot and finding it hard to move on, maybe it's time to make some more significant life changes to your life. You could join a sober group, find a new interest, look for a new job, find a new husband, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, John, I'm only joking. Have you got some problems? No, I'm only joking. joking. We'll talk about it later. Once you're sober, you're in control and you have the power to make great things happen in your world. Talk to others about your feelings. Vic and I have found this topic around trauma of drinking is rarely discussed. We often message one another if we have sober hangovers as we know the other will totally get how we feel. If you don't have a fellow sober buddy on hand, head to Vic's Facebook group called Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy The Group and share how you feel. We are all ears. Oh yes, we love a good we love a good rant on there with oh, each yes. other, don't we? Well, yes, we, we love, love to, yeah, we yeah, love supportive, to go, a supportive oh, yeah, rant. Yeah, I yeah. get that. I feel like that as well. Yeah. yeah. Remember you have endured a lot and no one expects no one's expects you to do this alone. If your drunken past is coming back to haunt you and it's bringing you down, 
seek help. Book an appointment with your GP, find a professional you can talk to, but know you are worthy of support. Dealing with and experiencing triggers and memories of our drinking days are part of recovery, so don't feel bad about them. It's your body doing what it remembers, what it's designed to do. In fact, I think, Vic, you've got a quote about this. Yes, I've got a good one this week. Avoiding your triggers isn't healing. Healing happens when you're triggered and you're able to move through the pain, the pattern and the story and you will walk your way to a different ending. Ooh, that's quite a good one, it actually. Is. I was proud of myself for finding that one. the first decent one you've found yeah. so far. <laughs> proud of my little quotey quotes. <laughs> Book of the week is Blackout by Sarah Hippola. It's H-E-P-O-L-A. In her memoir, Blackout, Remembering the Things I Drank to Forget, Sarah examines how she drank, why she drank, how others responded to her, and the misfortunes that occurred during her drinking sobriety journey a drinking journey and her sobriety journey i read this when i was still drinking and saw myself in every page mm-hmm. we will add the links in the show notes and don't forget to follow us at sober awkward we often ask questions to our listeners about the show so our slow brains can sometimes run out, run out of ideas can't they lucy so yeah. it's always good good to get your input guys so yeah definitely message us if you want to yeah if there's anything that you feel that we you know, needs discussing, especially something that isn't often discussed um, or, or read about. You know, you know us, we talk about pretty much anything, won't we? Yeah, poo anything. Fa- poo factories, anything. Poo factories. If you want to write to us and tell us about your terrible time working in the poo factory, <laughs> we will be very open to it. Or if anyone's got any, knows of any job vacancies at <laughs> yeah, poo factory. Yeah, I'm in. I can pull... I can pull pipes down. I can bang spanners. Like I'm looking for a life change. It helps with the triggers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if Alan's going off to McDonald's again to go and get his... I don't oh, wait, I let's open the booth. Wait a second. I'll open the door. Hold on. Alan, are you going off to McDonald's again? Fuck off. Oh, <laughs> he just trapped his head in the door. <laughs> oh, Alan. Poor bugger. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstockmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing, Lucy. Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. 
It's called Therapy Works, and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room, where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> you can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book. Even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 